Hello and welcome to What Goes Bump in the Night. I'm your host, Riley Clark, and alongside me is Trevor Jensen. And we are back with episode 18 of season 3, Does It Go Bump? Does it bump? Does it go bump? Well, we're here to find out. First off, we want to say thank you for helping us reach 900 plays all together, all time. That's awesome and wouldn't have been done without y'all. We appreciate you guys to the utmost and to the moon and back. To the moon fuck and yeah. back. yeah. You guys Hell are the yeah. best. You guys rock. Keep listening. Keep coming back every Monday and Thursday now. Yes, that's right. We have official days of the week that you can come find us on all the platforms that you listen to We got that on. content for you. Yeah, we banging it out. And we got a really good story for you today. Let's dive right into it. Posted by Zacharias Frost. Area 51 is a distraction. The real prize is in eastern Alaska. So by this point, everyone is no doubt well aware of Area 51 memes and the hubbub surrounding them. Apparently over 1 million people are set to storm the perimeter on September 20th of this year. Should be interesting, but let's be honest for a second. I doubt it will happen. Even if it did, even if by some ridiculous miracle they managed to overwhelm the most powerful military on the earth and infiltrate a top secret base, I don't think they would be exactly thrilled with their results. I'll just come right out and say it, I guess. Area 51 is a red herring. It is a distraction and is pretty much always has been. Nothing out there but sand, reclusive scientist, and some crusty-ass lake at this point. I mean, think about it. If Area 51 is the most top-secret and covert black sites in the world, then why does everyone know about it? How secret can a secret be if everyone knows the secret? For God's sake, even Obama acknowledged its existence a while back. That's the whole point of it. They want you distracted so you don't look for the others. But why take my word for it? Who am I anyways? Just some pleb on the internet who decided to cash in on the trend of some clout and perhaps a bit of that sweet, sweet karma, right? Well, yes, but actually no. That may be who I am now, but I once was a person of particular interest in the United States government. Most people knew me as Mr. Blue. Not my real name, but it's way easier to pronounce. I used to be a pilot. Did that for many years and loved every second of it. I tell ya, there's nothing quite like soaring through the skies and breaking the sound barrier for the first time. You might crap your pants a little bit, but it's all part of the experience, really. Now unfortunately, the type of work I did was above top secret, and for all of our safeties, I cannot go into any further detail on what I actually did, or who I actually worked for. One day, I was out on a classified reconnaissance mission in a certain area where I should not have been. I'll apologize here for the vague details of certain things, but you gotta understand, these things I'm about to tell you are beyond top secret. They would kill me ten times over uttering a word of it. So here's hoping that doesn't happen. Hold on. I want to talk about Mr. Blue real quick. He's your classic 
Area 51. I did top secret stuff, but I can't tell you nothing. I was just going to say classic Men in Black. Classic. Classic. He's got a briefcase. Seen this a million times in every movie. Oh, yeah. He's, got, a, movie, he's got one of the laser every pens. Every TV show. Laser pen. A guy that wants to tell you something but doesn't want to tell you everything. All right, I get it. I believe it. I blew him for now. All right, Mr. Blue, for continue now. with your story. Anyways, the mission was going as planned when suddenly all of my instruments started going berserk on my dash. Air pressure inside the cabin plummeted, and the speed of the fuel consumption gauges looked like they were playing ping pong with each other. Everything began to rattle like crazy, and my alarms erupted into a symphony of irritation. Next thing I knew, I see this bright light soar past me and the ungodly speed. The shockwave it produced was so violent that it shredded the hull of my craft. In a split second, I went from casually flying along to suddenly regaining consciousness as I plummeted headfirst towards the ground at terminal velocity. I managed to pull my chute before I splattered, but as I touched down, I almost wished I hadn't. There, I was met by an awaiting entourage of at least two dozen men in winter camo suits and masks. They pointed their weapons at me and screamed in a language which I recognized as English. I tried my best to calm them down and appear unthreatening, but that didn't stop them from wrenching me into a pair of handcuffs and hauling me onto their APCs. They began to drive away, and the situation hit me. I was not going to be saved. The people I worked for had never said it, but it was always well known that if ever you were captured, then you were pretty much on your own. With that in mind, I had real no incentive to keep my mouth shut once they started interrogating me. It may seem cowardly, but I was not about to be brutally tortured for a former ally which would never really come to bail me out. Yeah, the government says they don't torture people, but trust me, when they really want to know something, there's no tactic too extreme. And they really wanted to know something. So I told them. So I told them about who I worked for, what my mission was, where I grew up, all that jazz. It was all fabricated, but they took the bait regardless, thanks to their severe distrust of the Russians at this time. They were actually pretty cool after that. I mean, they wouldn't let me leave their custody, but it was better than being dead, or at least it was at first. They transported me away from my initial interrogation place into a secure facility somewhere nearby. I was blindfolded the whole time, but from the rumbling of multiple vehicles, sounds of doors sliding open multiple times, and the distant feeling of my stomach dropping, I could tell they had taken me somewhere deep underground. Soon after that, I stepped off the elevator and they removed my blindfold. Their leader was a guy with a stern face, thick gray beard, and eyes that looked etched from the concrete. He wore a black suit with some symbol upon his heart pocket that I did not recognize. He stepped in front of everyone and outstretched his arms while staring me in the eyes. Welcome to your new home. An ever so slight grin slithered onto his face as he said it. I glanced down at the dismal gray hallways which seemed to stretch out further than I could see in multiple directions. 
They lead me down the hall on the right, past dozens of locked corridors on rooms before ushering me into a cell. My handcuffs were removed soon after, and the door slid shut behind me. The same man that had welcomed me to the facility then approached the window and pushed the intercom button. We appreciate your cooperation, Mr. Blue. I don't believe there's any reason why our time spent together has to be unfriendly. I apologize for all this, but you must realize that it is necessary. Precaution we must take. I took a moment, then nodded back to him. Wonderful. We will have dinner soon sent to you. If you require anything, then please notify one of the guards outside of your quarters. And with that, he and his little entourage turned and strolled down the hallway. That was my first night in the facility I eventually came to know as Fez. I don't think it's the official name, but I heard several personnel at the base refer to it by that acronym over the years. I still don't know exactly what it stands for. Forbidden Enclosed Ziggert? Forsaken Evil Zoo? Forced Ejaculation Zeal? Fabulous Elf Zombie? The best I could really come up with was Fortified Experimental Zone. It makes the most sense too. All things considered, at first it wasn't actually too bad, the staff was nice, they cooked great food, and there was plenty to see around the base, although every once in a while I would hear the screams just barely echoing through the vents. Hold on, one more time. So he's in this crazy facility, he hears screams every once in a while, there's this mysterious figure. Dude, why does plane crash? Why the hell does plane crash? Yeah, like what? Okay, so he even says he went through the sound barrier before, and it makes you your pants a little bit. A plane flew past him fast enough to rip his cockpit apart and make him go unconscious. Oh, fuck yeah! I see where this is heading. And obviously, he's not American, is what I'm guessing. That's my thought. I. Th- I don't think so because when he gets caught, well, I wouldn't even say he gets caught because he he gets fucked in the sky. Yeah, and then when he lands, he says that English. Yeah, so makes me think that he's Russian. Unless they mean like English speaking European countries, but then again, you, I still don't. I I would still say it's probably he's a foreigner compared to what we speak. So, still, that's fucking crazy. But then it's like, what are they doing with the poor guy? Yeah, why are they just hanging on to him? Yeah, like, don't tell everybody gone. Stick you in a Makes dark Makes you think, hole. what does this guy actually know already? Yeah, Mr. Blue. Mr. Blue. I love that code name, though. That's it, a good code name. It's just, it's so simple, but it's, like, so mysterious. All right, Mr. Blue, tell us more about your story. They interviewed me probably 100 more times after that and were especially interested in the craft which I was piloting. The craft in question was one of our two top secret technologies, but unfortunately it had been blown to smithereens by whatever that light was, so I couldn't tell you much about it. It took years of incarceration there, but eventually the staff came to trust me, 
almost as much as they did their own comrades. We would laugh and joke with one another, and soon enough we became what some might even consider to be friends. I became especially close with one of the scientists that was named Kevin. Kevin was one of the smart guys, comical too, and explained quite a lot of things to me. He and I would spend hours talking on countless occasions. He was my only real glimpse into what was happening in the outside world. He'd bring in books and movies for us to enjoy together. He kept me updated on everything. And over the next 30 years, we developed a close friendship that I will truly always treasure. I must have displayed some kind of intellectual potential because they eventually started asking me for my input on various curiosities stationed throughout the base. They only did it because I had sworn them complete loyalty and I would never be allowed to leave the base anyways, but for me, it was nice to feel included. The base itself was absolutely colossal. They always blindfolded me during transport to any location, but one time I caught a glimpse of the buttons in the elevator. There had to have been at least 50 of them on that panel. I remember the first time they showed me more than one of the lockdown blocks. There were guards posted at every cell, and I heard some very strange noises emitting around me as we traversed these halls. I thought for sure they were about to show me horrendous beasts from the depths of hell, and I prepared myself accordingly as the howls of these unseen things echoed through the halls. The lead scientist, Dr. Roosevelt, rolled back a two-way mirror curtain, and my heart froze from the anticipation. In the cell before us, there was nothing more than a human girl in a gray jumpsuit. She was young maybe five years old or so, but there seemed to be nothing out of the ordinary about her. I looked to Dr. Roosevelt, and he flexed his cranium muscle before pressing a button. I heard the sound of a gas seep into the room. A few tense seconds passed, when the girl suddenly shrieked like a banshee. Her head tilted back and I saw jagged needle teeth emerge from her mouth, her eyes jet black and she lurched towards the window. She struck it hard and fell back to the ground, snarling and hissing like some ravenous jackal. Dr. Roosevelt then pressed the button again, cutting the gas and posing a question. You ever see anything like this, Mr. Blue? All I could do was shake my head slowly as I watched the young demon child stalk about the room on the other side of the glass. They found her in the woods outside of Whitehorse with a freshly disemboweled man. She was eating him and appeared uninfected by the sub-zero temperatures. I suddenly felt like vomiting, but I said nothing, only stared back at the unusual, gruesome little girl. What the hell was she? Unfortunately, I never was told anything else about her and I doubt the personnel knew much more anyways. They came to show me a lot of very strange things over the years. A giant brownish orange haired primate that walked upright and seemed to respond to facial movements. 
a humanoid shaped being that was only detectable via infrared equipment, a golden chest that would instantly kill anything that touched it, a 10 foot tall creature wrapped in vines that emitted bouts of radiation and blended into environments with perfect camouflage, a monstrous fish at least 80 feet in length in frozen nitrogen, various abhorrent creatures that I'm guessing were the results of relentless genetic tampering. I had never seen anything like it. All the monstrosities housed in there, and the secrets buried in their possessions. They also asked for my advice on certain paradoxical phenomena that had plagued them as well. They told me that for decades, there had been hundreds of unsolved cases of human disappearances that seemed to defy all explanation. Young children would be found off cliff edges that they could not have possibly reached, while old and frail people would be discovered dozens of miles away from where they had last been seen only few hours later. Most of them would never be found at all, though. I could almost see the fear dripping from their eyes as they relayed cases after case after case of their record incidents, and it was clear, although not said, they had no idea what the cause was. Unfortunately, neither did I, as it was the first I'd ever heard of these bizarre phenomenon. I told them honestly that I didn't believe my former allies were responsible, but I don't know if that made me feel any better or worse. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Mr. Blue spent 30 years in this facility. Making friends. Making friends. <laughs> meets a doctor that shows him things. I like how he says incarceration, too. Yeah, like, <laughs> he, he, he's just... Describing it kind of like a prison. He's like, it's great food, yeah. people are cool, but I'm incarcerated. Yeah. <laughs> he meets a guy named Kevin. Yeah, he's homie. His homie, Kevin. Homie Kevin. Who, uh... Crazy creatures that we haven't even I was just going to say, show. like, whoa. I mean, whoa. Genetic tampering at its finest. Yeah. Like, An let me splice this fish? genome. Let me go fishing wherever that's from. A treasure chest? That kills you when you touch it? Yeah, what? Parts of the Caribbean times steroids 12. <laughs> <laughs> and a phenomenon where people go missing, miles, end up miles away. Yeah, or kids on cliffs. Wait, Come on. Come on. It's demon, demon girl? Yeah, that's the craziest part. A gas chamber with a five-year-old in it. And he's just <laughs> like, hey man, check it out. You ever seen anything like this? <laughs> They found her eating a man. <laughs> like, yeah, what? she's just outside the old white horse, just chowing down, you know, like it's the old Getty drive-ins. And he, she's just driving up and having her dinner. <laughs> man, Mr. Blue's seen some things. I tell you what. I'm just still so surprised that he's just, I'm never leaving. I'm just going to ride it out. And he's getting to see this kind of shit. Like, I pay so much fucking money to get clearance for, like, Five minutes. Just to see one. I don't one even hallway. care. If you're like, you can do whatever you want. Here's, you're like, you know what I mean? They're like, here's the shopping trips that you can go in like, Walmart <laughs> and just get whatever you want. You have 10 minutes. Give me a trip 
to these crazy top secret facilities all access granted oh yeah i am going to town yes all day every Give me day all the mythical creatures <laughs> i'm waiting for the aliens that's what i'm waiting for right now there's gotta be aliens in the story it's coming it's coming i can feel it's it coming. i can feel it we're gonna find out what that light was next you know like the what's the instrument that plays like you know what instrument i'm talking about it's like <laughs> sure that's what it sounds okay like. it's like sci-fi whatever okay back <laughs> to right. the story all right back to the story mr blue carry us away throughout all of my years there i'd always found one thing peculiar after all the weird and terrifying things they showed to me there was never any mention of extraterrestrials that's what everyone thinks these black site facilities house after all but nevertheless they made none the mention of it that made me smile a bit when i thought about it because they had no idea how close they were the closest thing they had was the weird tentacle creature with a ringed set of teeth in its mouth it looked almost like an eel but possessed four iridescent green eyes in a ring around its head it didn't live in the water either but instead slither around on the ground in a very swift and very unsettling motion they said its dna resembled nothing like anything they had ever found on earth before hence the reason they believed but were not certain of it being otherworldly origins kevin and i got back to talking back in his quarters one night as the rest of the crew retired for the evening he shared with me a bit of his brandy and we were content to just chat as friends late into the night he told me a lot about himself that he never mentioned before he showed me pictures of his wife and the son that had been taken from him kevin admitted his son had died in a crash a couple of years back while his wife passed two years later of cancer it broke my heart to hear that and i felt the sorrow for my dear friend of some 30 years kevin was in his early 50s but you'd never know it with the enthusiasm in his voice it was during the conversation kevin ended up mentioning something i found particularly interesting he told that he believed that if an alien species existed and were advanced enough to traverse the galactic canopy and reach earth then they would obviously be quite intelligent he said he didn't believe in any hollywood deceptions of doomsday aliens hell-bent on destroying humanity he thought they'd be a lot more subtle than that think about it you find something intelligent which represents almost no threat to you and then the first thing you do is try to kill it Kevin asked skeptically as I considered his words for myself. They'd just be a waste, and no species that fancies themselves as advanced beings would do something so brash. At least, I hope they wouldn't. He chuckled slightly and shot me a knowing look mixed with unique intrigue that almost glistened in his gray eyes. Even if they thought they were going to destroy our own planet or something, why would they care? There are trillions of other planets in the Milky Way alone. 
They could pick any of them if they wanted natural resources. I chuckled to myself, almost sensing where the conversation was headed. It's not the planets we... They're after... I replied, Kevin snapped and pointed his finger at me as his face lit up. Exactly. They'd want to study us, learn how we operate, how we organize, and how we live. Kevin's hand motions turned eccentric, and I saw his access badge jostle around his neck. He took another sip of brandy and continued. They'd probably learn more about us than we even know about ourselves. I mean, granted, they have to be more intelligent. They could learn up close, understand how humans work. They'd have no need for bloodshed when they could simply inconspicuously integrate into human culture. They have no doubt mastered the art of altering their biology to disguise themselves as humans. I mean, that's nothing when compared with the tech they used to get here, you know? He paused from his enthusiast monologue and wiped the steam off his glasses. I just sat back, content to let him continue, as I found it fascinating that he could know so much. Aliens, they're not warlords. They're poets, architects, authors, musicians, beings that wish to create. It is the ultimate calling for an entity so powerful. Kevin took a deep breath and revealed in his own explanation, his speech had turned a bit slurred and I could see his eyes floating lazily in their sockets. He then met my eyes in a look that I had never seen before. It was a look that seemed to shed all sense of formality and pose a question which he had long since suspected the answer to. You're not really from Russia, are you? The sudden accusation caught me off guard and I felt my stomach drop like a lead weight. I didn't say anything and Kevin just scoffed. You had everyone fooled. I mean, I was too for the longest time. You had a suitable backstory, authentic sounding accent, and all your alibis checked out. He paused and clasped his hands in front of him. You look so authentic too, but there's one thing you missed. One thing you just can't fake. He looked me dead in the eyes and fell silent. He didn't have to say it, for I already knew what he meant. The eyes are impossible to truly fake. That night your craft was shot down. What were you really doing here? Kevin and I maintained a prolonged eye lock before I finally responded. Reconnaissance. For the first time in decades, I dropped the Russian accent, as it was clear there was no longer any reason to lie to my dear friend. And what did you see? Kevin stared into the very depths of my soul as he asked, and I spoke the truth. Beauty, poetry, creators, much like us. Kevin just stared at me for the longest time. I wondered what he planned to do since he found out, but I didn't ask. Kevin eventually smiled and rose and made his way to the cell door. He reached into his coat pocket and withdrew a black steel pistol with a long snout. 
I slowly met his gaze, and he chuckled. Mr. Blue, do you wish to go home? I nodded after pausing to think for a moment. Kevin looked over his weapon and primed it for use. I hope you and your allies can forgive us. Without another word, he flashed his security badge and the locks on the door gave way. He motioned for me to rise and follow, and so I did. Kevin glanced back and forth down the hallway, but due to the late hour, there was no one around. He and I sprinted down the corridor and onwards to one of the security booths. He flashed his badge as I hid just out of sight. He entered the room and I heard the noise of a brief scuffle before two bright flashes ended it. Kevin re-emerged with wild eyes and beckoned me to follow. He and I dashed down the hallway and I reached the massive main shaft elevator soon after. For the first time, I entered without a blindfold, and Kevin punched the button on the top floor and the security code required to power it. Security system will be down for a good half hour, but automatic distress beacons have already been activated. That gives us about eight minutes. Kevin dropped the clip from his pistol and popped in a fresh one. I saw spackles of blood on his glasses and cheeks, a frenzied look in his eyes. Here, take this. He reached out his hand and held something which I hadn't seen in decades. The old radio from my craft. I took it, and he and I met eyes as the elevator door opened. It was back to running after that, but a few minutes of it and we had reached the underground parking facility. Kevin quickly unlocked a nearby vehicle, and two of us hopped in and we fired it up. The engine roared to life, and Kevin accelerated through the lot. A moment later, we exited the underground facility and I saw my first vision of the night sky in over four decades. There were men stationed at the perimeter gates that attempted to stop us, but Kevin didn't flinch. He crashed right through the wire fence on the perimeter, causing multiple lights to activate on our wake. I heard a siren blaring behind us and silhouettes of people dashing throughout the snow. There's a suit in the back. Put it on. I did as he requested without a question, and it fit the snug polyester garment over my body. It covered every square inch from foot to the nape of my neck, and it felt incredibly comfortable. There's a dial on your right side. You can use it to mask your body heat. They're going to be after you. He tossed a map into my lap and continued barking instructions. You can contact your friends with that radio, right? His eyes flashed to me as he slid onto the main road and away from the compound. Yes, Kevin nodded. Make your way north. They won't be expecting that. There's a river up there about 30 miles away through the forest. Once you find it, head east until you find a small town. Ask the guy at the post office for Mr. White. He's a friend of mine who's agreed to help you. He'll take you from there. I tried to digest the flow of information as best as I could and remain confident. And it all just happened so suddenly. I stashed you some MREs in the bag. Should last you a good couple of weeks. Kevin then swerved around a corner and reoriented us onto a new dark road. In the sudden influx of adrenaline, a sudden thought occurred to me. What happens to you? Kevin didn't want to acknowledge the question. 
Forget about that. Just get back to your people. Behind us, a flurry of lights suddenly ascended into the night. The wearying sound of rotary blades then pierced the tranquil canopy of the blustery night. Shit! I had hoped I could get you a little bit further than this. He suddenly slammed on the brakes. My head lurched forward in the car, spun back and forth along the icy road. Take this too. He handed his long barrel pistol over and I hesitatingly took it. He and I then met eyes for the final time. This is where we say goodbye, Mr. Blue. Why? Why are you doing this for me? Kevin sighed, and I saw a certain sorrow swirl into his ironclad pupils. He stayed silent a moment, and only when the sounds of approaching engines grew louder was he spurred to reply. You don't belong here. You don't belong in a cage. I don't know where you came from, but I want you to see the ones you love again. His eyes began to water and he jostled his neck before looking me in the eye one final time. I hope you don't think of us as captors or kidnappers. I hope you see us as you and yourself. I hope, I, I just hope you can understand. A single tear then rolled down his cheek. I put my hand on his shoulder. I always have and I always will thank you, Kevin. I then held my hand out and he grabbed it tight as we shared one final moment before I ventured into the blizzard. The journey from then was long and arduous, with me spending weeks trudging through the snow and frozen forests. Hounds, men, and machines pursued me for days, but somehow I was able to elude their efforts. The terrain was brutal unrelenting, but eventually I managed to find the river which Kevin mentioned. By that point, all my pursuers had long since gone silent. I followed the river and found the town and soon after the man known as Mr. White. He was a kind man and gladly invited me into his house to avoid the agents. It is there that I have been ever since awaiting my allies' arrival. They were stunned to hear from me again, but not as stunned as I was to find out that the radio was still functional. They weren't entirely sure whether they could trust me anymore, but I didn't leave them much of a choice when I threatened to go public and expose them to the world. They finally agreed, but admitted it wouldn't be months before they could reach me. I expected as much. And thankfully, Mr. White allowed me to stay with him and await the eventual arrival. I found out soon after that my dear friend Kevin, to whom I owe my freedom and life, had been found deceased. The authorities ruled it a suicide, gunshot wound to the back of the head, but obviously I have my doubts about that. It truly broke me to learn of my one true friend's demise but I knew it was what he expected. I like to think that's why he chose to do it. And furthermore, it is the reason I am here posting this now. Kevin's legacy deserves to live on, and this is the only way I know how to do it. And with that, we have come full circle to this message you are reading right now. To address the original topic, Area 51 is indeed 
a ruse. Kevin held a lot of power in his previous role, and he told me about all the operation. The real prize is the Fez, my former prison somewhere in eastern Alaska, buried beneath the snow with all sorts of aberrant things in its clutches. If you're going to storm anywhere, that should be the place. Just remember to pack a coat. Kevin was a smart man, brilliant even. If you managed to make it this far, then I'd like to think that you're someone like him, brave, curious, with almost an innate sense of wonder that cannot be satisfied. It is my hope that Kevin's ideas will live on through you. My allies would never approve of this message, but I know that they are wrong. Truth is something that all sentient beings should be allowed to perceive, despite how unpleasant it may be to hear. It was Kevin's belief that beginnings It was Kevin's belief that beings he knows as aliens are already here. That instead of murdering humans as we often portrayed in stories, they would blend in, take keen interest in human culture, society, and art, write books, poetry, and music in hopes of connecting to something truly extraordinary, something that reminds them of themselves. If Kevin is right, then maybe one day you'll even stumble upon such a story for yourself. Maybe you'll think it nothing more of a work of fiction to entertain you for a while. Maybe the author of said theoretical story would seem like nothing more than a run-of-the-mill internet user. He probably wouldn't just come right out and say, because that would be too corny. He would probably just leave you in the pieces and hope that you could understand the truth for yourself. Maybe you're truly like Kevin, drawn to mystery and prepared to entertain the fantastic. Maybe you'll just dismiss the implications of the worlds before you because you don't dare believe something so outlandish. Because the end is not the truth, not the problem. Belief is, maybe someone will understand who, or more, importantly, what I really am. Maybe it will be you. Either way, I've been here a very long time, and it's time for me to go home. Thank you, Kevin. I will always uphold our agreement. Well, that story took a way left turn. Big ol' left turn. I was not expecting him <laughs> to be the alien. I know. I was expecting there to be aliens, but not be Mr. Blue. Holy I was expecting shit. him to find aliens. I like how there's, like, the closest thing that they found is, like, a big fucking eel-like creature with fucking green eyes around it, like, <laughs> scooting around on the floor. And he's just like, I've been here a really long time. Would take it or leave it. Yeah, Mind blown. Shout out Kevin for being so damn smart. Kevin the homie, though. Coming through and saving his friend. I mean, 30 plus years of knowing each other like yeah. that. I can't believe... On some James Bond shit, I, too. Ju- I just cannot believe that he just was like, I figured you out. You are not a Russian spy. He shouldn't have drank brandy with them. <laughs> brandy <laughs> is apparently a truth serum, you people. Listen here. <laughs> you heard it here first. Truth serum, brandy. What goes bump in the night? Truth serum, brandy. brandy. You want to talk to aliens? 
Brandy. Also, if you want to invest in a new brandy line called Truth Serum, I think this could be a great business venture. <laughs> <laughs> but all seriousness, do you think Area 51 is a ruse? And that they're actually what other if mega this structures. Is legit I was just from gonna say, alien. like, like <laughs> even if like let's let's like take like a step outside of this and say like this isn't true or this is true, like doesn't matter. Do you think there are actually bases out there that are like supposed to be these like mega structures that are housing aliens, but we all know about them, or do you think they're actually like structures that are in places that we don't know about, have no idea they're there? Totally that. I was just going to say, I think Area 51 actually could be a ruse. Because this was written, obviously, last year, because at the beginning, he said, in a few months, you guys are going to be storming yeah, Area, Area 51. 51. <laughs> and we already know that actually did happen. People just partied, and it was kind of stupid. It was a dance fest. <laughs> it was literally a rave. Like It, it just turned just into rave. a rave. That's all it turned into. It was a rave. I mean, I would love to have stormed the gates. Mr. Blue was onto it before it even happened, though. He I just, like, I love the loyalty. Loyalty is awesome. Like, yeah. He fouls yeah. Kevin's word all the way to Mr. White. Obviously, he wasn't very creative with his names, Mr. Blue, Mr. White. <laughs> I love it, though. Kevin's legit, though. Kevin is the legit homie. Like, if you ever uh, need a ride or die, you want a Kevin. Yeah, so are we saying this bumps? I think it bumps. I think it bumps. Shout out Zachariah Frost for a really dope story. It was a fun read. Yeah, dude, thank you. Even though you probably will never hear this. <laughs> Who knows? He probably already heard it because he's a fucking alien. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Once again, thank you, No Sleep Reddit. Always coming in the most clutch for the greatest stories. Like, for real. I have found countless good ones that we are still about to read to you guys. So, stay tuned. Stay tuned next Monday for the next episode of What Goes Bump the Night. Again, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Spotify. Podbean, Google Podcasts, and Google Music. Don't forget to hit us up if you find a story that you'd like us to read in a future episode. We always want to do what the fans and listeners want us to do. So if you find a story, send it to us. We'll read it for you. We love you guys. We love you. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. And remember to keep your ears and eyes open for what really goes bump in the night.